I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Many teams in the W this season have been going through big changes. Of those teams, only one has a former MVP. This episode, I'm joined by Imani Wright, a big part of the Windsider team and boots on the ground in LA, covering the LA Sparks to discuss everything Sparks. Please consider joining our Patreon community, patreon.com backslash Winsider. That's patreon.com backslash Winsider. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. And don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at Winsider.com. That's Winsider.com. We're also blowing up on Twitter, so you should definitely check us out. But if you're looking for a fun way to enjoy the W, join our playbacks. Uh, our W watch parties use the link playback.tv forward slash Winsider. Playback.tv forward slash Winsider. Welcome to the Winsider Show. I'm excited. I'm joined this episode by Imani Wright to discuss all things Sparks. You might know Imani for her famous Purple Cup or maybe, maybe her hot takes. Either way, you know she's got some basketball knowledge uh, and you know she's ready to talk all things LA Sparks. How you doing and what are you up to on this fine day? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, honestly, it's been a great day, start to my day so far. It's nice and warm here in SoCal. It's a nice and toasty, like, 85 degrees. So I am living my best life. My my grandmother is just melting in Palm Springs these days. Every day I get a call from her. It's like, yeah, it's almost 120. I can't go outside. I'm like, yeah, don't, don't go outside. Uh, well, I'm glad it's a little cooler for you. So, all right, let's set the tone. We know this has not been the greatest of LA Spark seasons, um, and I don't think many thought it would be going into the season. Maybe had higher expectations than they're living up to it now. We're on an eight-game losing streak. Uh, it's the largest losing streak in LA Sparks history. Um, LA Sparks have been around for a long time, so that's, uh, you know. But I'm curious for you... You know, yes, we're a couple games past uh, halfway point in this season, but I think this is a good point to kind of just look at the season as, you know, half the pie. What are your thoughts? What what comes to mind when you think of the first half of the season for the LA Sparks? Um, so <laughs> for me personally, uh, the Sparks have been underwhelming, to say the least. Honestly, I figured there would be a little bit of time in terms of adjustments. You have a new head coach. You have a couple of new pieces with Yerka Hamby and Azari Stevens. Um, but I'm only underwhelmed because of the amount of injuries that have happened. I mean, Kurt Miller talked about this, who's the head coach of the Sparks. In his 19 years of coaching, he has never seen anything like that before. So for me, I'm also saying I have never in my life ever seen anything like that before in terms of energy injuries and honestly they're I feel like I've said this before they're doing the best with what they got but when they are healthy they're a really elite team and honestly I'm really excited to see what the second half of the season looks like I mean they just recently dropped a close game to the Lynx 
Um, but it seems like the Lynx, like some people say, just have their number almost. It just seems like they can't really like get over the hump with them. But I'm excited to see what they do against Indiana um, soon as a, re- a newer matchup that they have coming up. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do against them. Um, and also, honestly, for the rest of the season. But honestly, the first half of the season is they did the best with what they had. Um, everybody stepped up as much as they could and played to the best of their ability, even with inserting people who are on hardship contracts like Ray Burrell and Destiny Henderson. So honestly, I think Coach Miller is working with what he has. And honestly, I think the positivity, I think, has helped this team in the long run in terms of keeping morale up as much as they can. And I think that's a huge, huge aspect for this. Because, on like, look, if we're going to look at this season as a whole, when I think about it, I like I said from the beginning, like, you're not looking at this team like, oh, they're going to compete for a championship. You're looking at this team with some question marks in the sense of, I think, Knowing Kurt Miller is an elite coach in this league, he has success. He's proven that. I mean, in I'll throw this out there. Like in the Windsider chat, we constantly like re- refer to him as an elite floor raiser. He takes teams and he makes them better than some other coaches would. Um, and he's really, really good at that. So looking at this season, I think the high expectations, if it were in quotations, was that like, they would exceed expectations. Now, obviously, it's hard to do that when you're dealing with the... Re- like, let's just run down some stats here. Their number two scoring leader in points per game is Lexi Brown, who hasn't played in, like, almost two months, right? And and then you go all the way down until you get Hamby and Azrae Stevens, and Azrae was injured for a really long time. Shanae's been injured a bunch. Um, I mean, it's just... You have Destiny Henderson as, like, a top 12 scorer on this team, and that's a hardship signing who like wasn't there for that long. Like that's kind of ridiculous to your point. So I think like looking at this team, the one thing I'll push back, I think the vibes have been great. I think the, the, the big thing for me, I guess, is those giant leads that they lost. Like those are just backbreaking. And those are the games. I don't think about the eight game losing streak. I don't think about, the wins, I think about those 19, 20 point losses that they blew. And I think I brought this up on the playback with you where it's like, in my mind, maybe I'm, I'm far removed. I'm on the complete other side of the country. So maybe I'm just, I'm sniffing the glue. I'm way off. I'm reading into something that's not there. I just feel like how much, well, obviously, but like how much better would the vibes be if you don't blow two, three 19 point leads and kind of in my mind that derails the season, not in like a, you know, sell the barn type situation, but just in the sense of what you were talking about, what I've been talking about, like the goal for this team is to make strides forward, um, to rebuild what Derek Fisher broke down. And I wonder, I mean, I'll say it, come on, <laughs> like they had... Like, can we talk? We don't need to talk about this, but like, they had Chelsea Gray and Candace Parker, Neka Gumake. Look what Chelsea Gray and Candace Parker are doing right now. Che- also, Chelsea Gray is like in her prime right now. She is a freaking whatever. We're not going to talk about that right now. My point is, how much do you think those blown leads kind of seep into the overall feel, the overall makeup of this season? Or am I just kind of, you know, making mountains out of molehills? I think, honestly, in terms of them losing leads, I think it's, again, like a chemistry thing and a feel thing. 
Um, it's a newer team. They're trying to get a feel for each other, stuff like that. Um, but also, too, I think it's a, it's a leadership thing. So, honestly, like, it seems like a lot of the times the team gets frazzled, and I've noticed that I don't really notice anybody reeling them back in when it gets to a certain point. I mean, I think Coach Miller tries his best, but, like, I don't see, like, and the main leader, I think, on the team is Laisha Clarendon, and they've been out. So I think that's also might have contributed to that as well. Um, and I think, I mean, they're trying their best, <laughs> but at the same time, you're right. Like, they can't lose leads like that. Like, that's not good basketball. Um, and I think what would alleviate that is somebody stepping up and saying like hey guys let's just take a deep breath like let's meet at the free throw line you know hey let's take a deep breath let's chill out like we got this like and just kind of doing that I think would help a lot in terms of them kind of securing leads in the future and honestly a really interesting aspect of that because when you say there's you know some leadership questions I don't think it's a negative thing to say this because you look at NECA's career who she's been surrounded by, the team she's been on. I think that's been a really interesting aspect to this, for lack of a better term, new wave LA Sparks since Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray left is this went from being a team of a championship caliber team with vets who know how to win, who have done it before to now, you know, a lot of journey people, a lot of, yes, they're vets. And some of them looking at you, Lexi Brown, has won a championship looking at you, Jordan Canada. So they have those aspects, but none of these players were in key leadership roles on those championship teams. And that's not a knock against NECA because you had Candace Parker on the team. You had, you know, Elena Beard. Like, so I think it's been a really, really interesting aspect. While we've seen NECA have some of the greatest stats of her career, the growth we've seen from her, you know, she's dropping basically a 2010 double-double average per game right now and that's not even including three assists per game like NECA is doing insane things and the thing that keeps popping out to me is just like every year I keep going okay like NECA's gonna plateau you know what I mean and every year she keeps climbing the ranks keeps doing a little bit something different um I just sidetrack I just want you to talk about NECA for a second because I'm just she's not getting enough talk I know that of recent, there's been, you know, the Nafisa in the MVP discussion, which I disagree with only because of where they're positioned uh, in the playoff hunt. Earlier in the season, there was some of that similar talk with NECA. Um, talk to me about what NECA has done this season, because to me, it's just mind-blowingly good. Yeah, honestly, um, Kurt talks about this a lot, that like she's putting up numbers better than her MVP season, which I feel like speaks volumes. Um, seeing her play in person, I think is one of the most valuable experiences I've had being able to cover the Sparks. She's just so crafty. And also too, she plays the game at her own pace now because she's been in the league for so long. She just plays the game at her own pace, but also her decision-making is great. Her passing is great. And honestly too, I think she's trying her best to insert herself as a leader on the team, but also too, like, she can't do everything. She can't be, Mm. like, the main scorer, the leader, everything else. That's kind of what, like, your point guard is supposed to do in a basketball sense. Mm. Uh, Your point guard is supposed to be your leader, kind of your general, your your right-hand woman, in a sense. So I think 
NECA is, again, doing the best that she can, and I think she's having a phenomenal season. Ridiculous. Um, oh, wait, I have to ask this because I saw this on social. Uh, the worldwide sports leader, ESPN, I think it was ESPN. That's what their catchphrase is. I got to say it, you know. Um, <laughs> um, they had a tweet, a gif, I don't know what you call it, that was NECA and Angel Reese side by side. Um, side note, I never realized how much those jerseys, some of the jerseys look alike. Um, but they were saying Angel Reese is like the compare the the comparison, the best comparison for her to a WNBA player. Now, first of all, let me say, effing love that they're doing it that way because four years ago they would have been like, what player is Angel Reese like? And they would have listed like five NBA players. So happy we've grown to the point where they're actually referencing W players. I'm curious for you as somebody who, you know, is a smarter basketball mind than I. Personally, I don't see the comparison in the sense of style of play. Um, I think, you know, yes, NECA can get downhill, but I view Angel Reese getting downhill a lot more. I also like, I'm a big fan of Angel Reese's swag and just her demeanor and everything about her. I also, more than others, have some questions of her style of play, only because I think she's getting a lot of, for lack of a better term, I apologize if this offends anybody, garbage stats in the sense of blown easy layups that she just happens to be standing there getting easy put back um she misses a couple easy put-ins and she gets her own like i i just think that like when she's going up against more physically mature players some of those stats are going to come down a lot and her footwork's going to need to change um i don't know why i'm ranting so much neca angel reese do you see the comparison do you have a different player in mind Honestly, I don't see the comparison only because NECA has really developed her outside shot a lot. And I don't think Angel Reese has that yet. I'm sure mm. she's working on it and building it. Um, but NECA from mid-range, insane. So I think with that, I don't see the comparison. Um, in terms of a comparison for Angel Reese to a WNBA player, I think that she gives like, I feel like if she keeps developing and keeps working on her outside shot and in the post, I feel like she's giving me like Dewana Bonner or like, or Dewana Bonner with like a hybrid of like Candace Parker vibes. I feel like interesting. I'm getting from her. Um, in Honestly, terms of the agility and speed post all that stuff. I think once she develops, I feel like she could be that type of player. There's, I don't know why, but hearing you talk about, the comparison, a player that popped in in my mind, Natasha Howard. Mm-hmm. I and now I really want to like look at it more, think about it more, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with that until I can think more. Okay, so what am I missing with this this LA Sparks team? Um, is it like we've talked about the injuries? Like, I we could go down this list, and I feel like literally everybody's been injured. I mean, what is Neca the only player who hasn't missed a game? No, Neka was out for oh, yeah. one one game, I think, in the begin towards the beginning of the season, and I can't remember what it was for, but I know she was out for one game. Okay, well, okay, all right, never mind. Zaya Cook, uh, is the only person, or maybe Hamby also. No, Hamby's been in every game also. Um, so all right, cool. We got at least at least they got two players who have been healthy enough 
to play the whole season. What do you think, like, play-wise, when you look at it? Like, what's what's the strength and what's the weakness of this team? I think the strength is the defensive intensity of this team. I think defensively, you have elite defenders like Jordan Canada and NECA as well. Um, even Zaya Cook is an elite defender. And I think that – and Diego Hamby as well. So, you have great defense, but I think the weakness is that that great defense doesn't always translate to great offense. The team has this issue of going on extremely long scoring droughts and letting teams go on runs, which is why I think teams get away from them so quickly. Um, it usually happens usually either in the first quarter, um, second quarter, and every once in a while in the third, but most of the time it's in the first or the second quarter. We saw this in the Minnesota game uh, they recently had that they lost by three. Minnesota went on an 18-2 run in the second quarter. That cannot happen <laughs> if you want to win games. So I think that's another thing. And also, too, I think the team sometimes has these long lapses of not communicating, which is, I feel like, one of the simplest things to do in basketball <laughs> is to communicate. And also, too, they have this issue where like they don't move without the ball consistently enough if you watch a team like Vegas if you watch a team like New York they're constantly moving somebody's constantly moving setting screens running through the whole play looking at as many options as they can and I feel like with LA like that doesn't happen all the time and I feel like that's why they don't score as much as they can is because they do have those lapses or they try to go ISO and that doesn't always work you can only ISO so much um, and I think that's kind of the Achilles heel of this team is that they just don't do the simple little things like communicate and have scoring droughts. And also, too, they don't move enough on offense. And I would say, like, first of all, it's funny because when you're like communication, one of the simplest things in basketball, I was going to say for me, it's movement. You know, like some people don't like to talk. Everyone, everyone can run. Everyone got got movement in them. Right. That's why you're on the team. Uh, we see that with DC too, a team that I think fair to say is much more talented roster wise than this LA Sparks team. That's another Achilles heel of other teams. But just like you said with New York and Vegas, the good teams are moving and communicating and working off each other. Um, because I love to play devil's advocate, I'll give a little bit of defense. I'll give a little bit of an excuse for the LA Sparks. And that is that Lexi Brown has played just 11 games. And when you don't have, I mean, yes, I know Carly. Like, uh, um, what am I trying to say here? Was snubbed by the league when it came to the three-point contest. I know she's an elite three-point shooter. Um, but you look down this list, right? Like, NECA, Lexi, Jordan, Hamby, Stevens, Shanae, Lay, Carly, Destiny, Zaya. Like, I'm reading down that list. And, like, yeah, you got Carly. But for the most part, I'm looking at Lexi as an established three-point shooter in this league. And that's not, you know, shade or anything to Carly. That's just saying, like, Lexi's won rings. Lexi's been on multiple teams. Um, and honestly, we should do a whole episode just on Lexi's career because what she's been able to do and solidify herself in this league has been amazing. But to miss a three-point shooter and also early on in her career, she was an elite defender and elite three-point shooter, but not both at the same time. As her career has progressed, the most impressive thing to me is early in her career, you'd see exhaustion on offense and she wasn't getting her legs under her shot um, because she was putting so much effort in defense and vice versa. Now we're seeing a, a complete player in Lexi Brown. And 
I think for me, when you have that player who makes those big emotion threes, when you have a player who maybe like the ball gets stagnant, but then you finally move it on, on one offensive set and she hits that shot, it kind of like creates a pattern that you keep doing it and, and, and positive things lead to more positive things and negative things lead to more negative things. So for me, it's like, yes, I, I blame the roster build that we're so reliant on Lexi Brown. Um, but that injury in my mind is, is taking a huge important aspect of the flow of this team that just really, really hurts it. Um, what's cooking with cook? Like talk to me about her rookie season. I've, I've been impressed. She's kind of come in here and well, she hasn't necessarily been in MVP discussion or sorry, rookie of the year discussion. Um, I think she's one of those players who has come in like a vet. Um, and I'm curious your thoughts on her. Yeah, honestly, I'm excited. I feel like Zaya is going to be one of those mainstays in the league for a long time. Just, I think what sticks out to me the most about Zaya is just her fearlessness. Like, she literally is like, yo, I'm Zaya Cook. I'm going to play ball. I'm going to do me. And I'm going to get my buckets when I can. Um, and I think Zaya is doing a good job of being a sponge. She always talks about, like, even in some of the post-game pressers, how – Jordan kind of speaks positivity into her and how players, a lot of the players speak positivity into her. And I think that's been super helpful for her in terms of staying with that mindset. Um, and honestly, too, I think she's a great player. I would love to see a little more minutes from her. Like there was at the beginning, of, towards the beginning of the season, um, she was kind of more in the rotation and they were winning games when she was in the rotation a little bit more. So I think, that's been a good thing about Zaya. I think the only thing that Zaya, I feel like, needs to work on is just, you know, letting letting the scoring come to her and trying not to force things. Um, and I think that's just, that's just something that takes time. She's on, she's on a whole new team, like, with a whole new players, whole new system, whole new coach. Like, you got to give the Rook the benefit of the doubt in, in, in those moments um, because she, she's learning. And, but she's, she learns things. She picks up things very quickly. So, but again, I'm excited to see what she looks like for the rest of the season. And I would love to see more minutes from her because I think when she is on the floor, she adds a lot of, she is positive when she's on the floor. So it's also crazy. Cause I look at that, that backcourt of Lexi, Canada, Lay and Cook. And it's just like, damn, those are really good players that I always talk about, like the sliders, right? Like, one player is going to be really good at this and not so good at the. I just feel like all those players are super good at different things. And mm -hmm. you, like if you can mold them into one person, that'd be really cool. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about an interesting aspect for me because the two, the two biggest moves I think you could say for the LA Sparks this offseason were adding Derek Hamby and Azrae Stevens. Um, and, Pairing them with NECA, I'm curious of the vision. I think, and we talked about this on playback a little bit. We hinted at it. We told the people we were going to do this. Um, but, like, I just think about it, and I'm like, okay, NECA is an elite big. She's slightly undersized, so I get, and she's super athletic. So I get the idea of, of wanting to run it a little bit more. Hamby is an elite big who's, you know, not going to tear it up from three, but, like, I trust her with, like, her and Neck I trust with most anything. And then you got Stevens, who, again, she's on the rise up. 
I remember when she was drafted and I mean, I'll say this on, this is hilarious because I remember being on the podcast when she was drafted and me and Eli Horowitz, Eli, who's now the assistant GM of the LA Sparks, back then he was my podcast co-host. We were talking about Azure and how like both of us, we have this vision for her. We, we started the hashtag Azure hype train and like now it's hilarious because he brought her onto their team. But I sit here and I go, how do these three players work together on the court? And I think sometimes it can work depending on who your opponent is, right? Like you need that extra size. The game's going to be slowed down a little bit. I just personally, I think the biggest issue with that big three lineup is I don't know if Stevens has the speed to play the three. I see her, you know, just as a slightly slower Candace Parker. And I know people push back like, oh, like I'm not saying like, you know, I'm talking about style of play, game, gameplay and stuff like that. I'm curious for you, like, is it ideal for them both to be on the court? Is it going to stagger it? I was going to jokingly call this uh, the Hamby conundrum, um, but then you shamed me for it. No, because like sometimes... She's been through enough. She's been through enough, Aria. No shame. (laughs) No, but like not even towards her. Just like sometimes your best players, or sometimes you have, you know, a handful of really good players and they can't all be on the court at the same exact time and you stagger them and play them differently and things like that. I'm just curious. Like, do you think it's best they need more time? I realize that like Hamby's coming back from giving birth. It is insane that she, what she is doing right now like I I can't give enough props. I don't know the words to give enough props. I'm tipping my cap. That's not enough. I'm tipping mo- whatever. Steven's coming back from an injury. Like talk to just yeah, go on a rant. <laughs> so, for me, I don't think it works. Um and I'm being completely honest right now. Azure, when Azure's playing the four, she is so efficient. She's like in her zone. And she even said this in a presser that the four is her natural position. And that is a position where she thrives. And so I think from a coaching standpoint, I feel like you're doing her a disservice by putting her at the three. Because you know that's not her natural position. And you know that she's not going to succeed. And if you're a coach and you want to see your players succeed and your team succeed, I think you should play them where they are naturally comfortable. And so for me, I don't think it works. Um, Nega and Dierica have a very special connection in the, from the high post to the low post. I talked about this. I actually asked them about this in a presser, and they were saying that, like, they've just been able to build that type of chemistry. And I just feel like, you know, even with Nega and Azare and Dierica and Azare, I think that works. But I think having all three of them in at the same time, first of all, it clogs the lane. Second of all, Azare is – she can shoot the three. Dierica can also shoot the three. But I feel like – they're not established enough and they haven't built that skill set enough to kind of almost be a threat in a way. So I think that it doesn't work. And I've noticed that there has been more success when one or the other is on the floor. And usually NECA usually stays on the floor and they usually switch out Hamby and Stevens. And I think when they go like that, they've seen success. I mean, I saw that a lot in the Lynx game, like, a lot of times they weren't on the floor. At the, all three of them weren't on the floor at the same time. Um, but you could probably get away with that with a team like Minnesota. But again, you just have to. You just have to. <laughs> I love that you said it. No, no, you're real. <laughs> it's um, right. it's true. So you just have to um, just figure out what combination works and who comes off the bench. And I mean, like, obviously, like, 
they're all going to get their touches at the end of the day. Like, they're all going to play. Um, and I think it's one of those things where hopefully, like, no egos are bruised by the fact that one is coming off the backs of the other. But I just don't think that's a good fit. I keep thinking back, and maybe this is lazy analysis by me, but, like, I keep thinking back to Kurt's recent years in Connecticut where he was playing, when he could, Bree Jones, John Gwell Jones, and Alyssa Thomas. But, like, you're playing all three of them, right? Ideally, in a normal world, would fit into that 4-5 position lock, right? And you're just kind of like, okay, you know what? For a while, we had Bree Jones coming off the bench, but then let's throw it all, like... Let's just put all of our best players out there. I don't care if it clogs the lane. We'll slow it down defensively. We'll just make them work, blah, blah, blah. And and it worked when you have, you know, those players. But I don't think it necessarily works here, to your point. Um, and obviously, you know, hopefully no one's feelings are hurt. But there is a history with Hamby being forced to sit on the bench. So maybe just make Stevens do that a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. So but I'm, also, I'm, too, just to add, like, yeah. Kurt also is, like, a big advocate of positionless basketball. And I think that's where that kind of mindset comes in at putting Isaiah at the three is because, like, to him, he feels like the new age of the W is positionless. Mm-hmm. So just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that. I love that. Um, So I'm curious for you, uh, besides getting healthy, what do you feel like – because, look, I'm not saying this team should tank far from it. I'm never going to tell a team like you should tank. I will say that maybe in a three year plan, it's more beneficial for you not to make the playoffs this year. Um, I'm curious for you with this team, like second half of the season is here. What do they need to do in your mind to have a quote unquote successful season? Are they already there and they just need to, you know, continue playing do they need to get a win mark? Do they need to make the playoffs? Do they not? Like, what is growth, I guess, for you? I think with them is just honestly taking it game by game and closing out games. I noticed that with the Lynx that they had a very hard time closing out the game. Um, and I did have some questioning of the play at the end of the Lynx game in terms of who took the last shot. Um, because from a coaching standpoint, I understand what he was trying to do. He was trying to give the ball to the best player, but at the same time, like, you have Lexi and Carly on the floor. So I was just confused why they didn't take the three-point shot. But, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm not Kurt Miller. So um, for me, I think it's just taking it game by game, step by step, and just honestly, the main goal for them, I think, for the rest of the season is to stay healthy. Like, that. just to keep it simple, like, stay healthy and – just try to win as many games as they can. And honestly, I'm the type of person where if the coach is there in their first year, like I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like it's your first year, new new pieces, new season, new new lot, a lot, a lot of new. And like we give teams that benefit of the doubt usually in the college world, but I think it should be the same in the professional world as well. Like, yes, they're professionals, but at the same time, I think you have to also know your personnel and also to like, It's a a big adjustment period, and sometimes it takes people longer to adjust than others. And I feel like that shouldn't be, like, frowned upon in a way, Um, especially given Kurt's championship lineage. I think, again, we should just be patient. And I think, honestly, next year, I'm looking forward – like, obviously, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. But I think next year will be really interesting because we'll have Katie Lou Samuelson back and we'll have Stephanie Talbot. So I think that kind of changes – 
um, people's, I think next year will change a lot of people's perception given the added, the additional pieces we will have going into next season. Yeah, that, I mean, that three-point shooting just by adding those two players. And it's also, it's a crazy thing because I remember a few years back there was, I forget who it was, someone passed me an individual study that they did about like when you replace a coach with an established coach who has been a coach before um, versus someone who hasn't been a head coach before. In the first two years, the coach who hasn't been a head coach before statistically does better than the coach who has already been a head coach before. But in the three to six year range, often that's when the established coaches do better. Um, So I think to your point, give a little leeway. Kurt's an established coach. He's somebody who has proven he knows how to do things right. Hasn't got a championship yet. Hopefully he can bring LA their fourth. Um, What do you think the needs are this offseason before getting players back from the IR? Um, from the suspension list. I hate saying the suspension list because that looks, it sounds like they were punished. Um, But I guess like if, forget about like, they need to sign this specific player, like talking generalizations. Do they need another superstar? Do they need, you know, depth in a certain position? Like what do you think the big uh, missing pieces? I think honestly, they need a shooting guard. I mean, that was something I kind of said when I was doing like the mock draft that we did. Um, I actually drafted a shooting guard for them. Um, And I think there is a little bit of lack of depth depth at the shooting guard position. And I think that's something that they need. Um, And there's plenty of free agents this year that will be available that are established shooting guards and that can do well um, and fit into the system with the LA Sparks. So I think that's kind of what they need Um, because you can't solely rely. This year I've seen it a lot where they've solely relied on two players. And I just think you need that third player to bring scoring and to bring another threat. Um, Not saying that nobody else is a threat, but like, it's just like, you just need, it can't be NECA and Dierica every night or NECA and somebody else and NECA and somebody else because it's usually like two players that are thriving per game and you just need that like one, just need that one more. You just need that one player. And um, like, oh, because- Looking at you, Jewel and Ka. I already said it on Twitter that Ka, about Ka, everybody was throwing tomatoes at me, but I was like, I'm just saying. Anyways, um, I like but, the. I think the fit would be fun. Like, yeah, say what you want, LA's the fit are, would be fun. Because Elliot gets up and down the floor, and I think Kyle would fit really well with that offense. Um, and she could play defense. So, yeah. But anyways, that's the tea. But yeah, so I think a shooting guard would be great. Um, and honestly, too, they. I feel like they have plenty of bigs. I don't think they need to sign any more bigs. They have Dierica, they have Azrae, they have Nika. And everything, so and Chanae. So I think they have plenty of depth at those positions. I just think, I think also too, if you have more depth at the two, it gives Jordan Canada more opportunity to kind of facilitate and not have to worry about trying to balance. Okay, when do I score? When do I facilitate? So hey, I'm with you. Uh, any final thoughts before we do pick them? No, honestly. Sparks, I'm rooting for you that you just stay healthy. And if we need to, I will come to the arena and burn sage because clean it out. It's crazy out here. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Um, okay, so for Pick'em, I'll let you go first. I don't want my picks to influence your picks. Uh, we got a full slate of five games happening tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, but I'm just going to pick, in my mind, the two. Obviously, we'll pick the Sparks game, Fever at Sparks. And then a game I got circled because, uh, if you don't know, now you know, I got $10 on the Dallas Wings to win the finals because that's a $1,000 payout when I put it down. And why not? So I think they're the Dark Horse team. I'm keeping my eye close to them. Um, shout out to whoever told me about that number. And then we, so we got Suns, Sun at Wings, uh, two of the top five teams uh, competing in that one. Fever at Sparks, who you got? I have the Sparks. Not gonna lie, not any. That's removing any bias. I just think that um, I think that the Sparks will be able to contain Kelsey um, and also to I think Aaliyah as well. I think they'll be able to do a pretty good job on her. Um, and honestly, Melissa Smith is Melissa Smith still out? Uh, yes, I believe she'll be out for this one more game. Okay, so At least. I mean that also takes out another scoring option. Um, From my I understanding, think, she's with the team, but I don't. I believe she will not be participating in this. Game. Okay, so yeah, I think I think they'll they'll win. Um, if they do what they're supposed to do, they'll win. Yeah. Um. So I think that's what I have for that game. I'm actually going to agree with you on that one. I think having the strength of, you know, Aaliyah Boston being such a strength for the Fever and going up against a vet, um, look. Aaliyah Boston's having a rookie of the year campaign. There's no question about that. Leading candidate, it's already probably on the bag. Like she could sit out for half the se- the rest of the season, and it's, it's pretty much set. Um, but there have been times where she struggled with uh, foul trouble, and there has been times where she struggled against some of the more elite bigs in this league. I'm looking for NECA to kind of be like, you know, I'm an MVP. I'm the president of the Players Association. Let me school you, Rook. Um, and uh, Lexi Brown to go off a little bit because it's it's going to be a fun one like that. Sun at Wings, I think we already know who I'm hoping or at least what I'm I'm going at. I Look, I think realistically it could go either way. It really depends which Wings team we get um, and which Suns team we get. But I'm going to, out of hope, uh, go for the Wings. What about you? I think I'm going to go for the Sun. Um, you just don't want to agree with me? Uh, no, not even to be contrary. Like, again, like you said, I don't have a lot of faith in the Wings' consistency right now, mm-hmm. especially, like, Arike has been showing promise in terms of di- buying into the system um, and playing within the system, but sometimes I notice when they're against more elite teams, um, she starts to kind of go off the rails a little bit. So I think that um, I'm going to have to go with the Sun. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that, and that's a really good point. Um, as I like to end every episode, Mani, who's your goat? And you better pick a women's basketball player. Um, my goat is Le- no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would, I, trash him the episode. We're done. Get out of here. <laughs> no, my goat is Swin Cash, former Detroit Shock uh, champion. I that like I love like Swin. That's my girl. Like I literally love Swin. Um, she was one of the people that I saw growing up when I did go to a lot of Detroit shot games. Um, so Swin's my goat. Um, I love her fierceness, just her, her style of play. Um, I will not say, I did not model my game after her, but I will say that like the influence, the influence is there. It's there. 
but not fully. Little, I didn't fully model my game after her. But you're a little too short to model your game after her. I feel like exactly. <laughs> so uh, a girl can dream, but yeah. So swing cash is my girl, though. Love it. Have not. I love when people bring up a player who isn't commonly referenced, isn't always uh, on the topic, uh, and remind people what's your Instagram handle, where they can read your work. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Imani Wright, so which is my first and last name. So I probably should spell it out. So at I M A N N I W R I G H T on Twitter, and then on Instagram it's Imani Wright. So it's I M A N N I W R I T E S because I'm a writer, Imani Wright. So uh, yeah, she got a little clever with that one. All right, have a good one.